This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm Tomahome. I'm Jenny. I'm Julie. Over and I'm Matt. Sorry. Hello. <laughs> Long time no see. Well, hello. Um, today we're doing a recent arrivals and maybe a sprinkling of new releases. So, I have a big pile of books here, audiobooks, and one print book. You want to start with my list? Yeah, yeah. Let's start with yours. Mine's very short. Uh, well, first up, we have The Mongoliad, book one, which, of course, is co-written by Neil Stevenson, Greg Bear, Mark Teppo, Edie DeBurn, Wingham, Eric Bear, Joseph Brassy, and Cooper Moo. And it is read or performed by Luke Daniels, and it's from Brilliance. Have you guys heard of this book? I heard about the concept early on, and uh, it's a shared world, right? Yeah, it started out as an iPad app version, kind of. I downloaded it once. Uh, okay. Uh, so it's a cross-media something? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's like a... It's sort of like a comic book world superhero thing, except not comic book or superhero. It's done in that way, but what it's it's more like um, it's like the Marvel universe, except it's it's like European sword fighting against Mongols or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, the Mongols in the 13th century. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's more historical fiction. Play. It's speculative history. Yeah. <laughs> like what would happen if Hitler won? You know, one of those kind of things, except yeah. way back when. Right. And there's like archaeology and manuscripts and secret histories. And yeah, it's kind of. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan of uh, massive collaborations in the past. You know, I've read those shared world books and uh, oftentimes it's just a whole bunch of people writing that's sort of on the same theme, but. Uh, you don't really get anybody's clear voice on it. Hmm. Um, and it's a book one, which makes me think, you know, <clears throat> I'm not going to want book two or book three. But uh, did you start this one, Jenny? I haven't, but we have two people that are already related oh, okay. to it already. So I, I don't know what to think. You know, I have this kind of love-hate relationship with Neil Stevenson. There's some books I love and even would rank in my favorites, and then others get thrown against the wall. <laughs> mm. So I just from the description, I'm not sure it's my thing. But I used to be a really big Greg Bear fan, but that oh was, yeah, that was uh, he's he's become much more commercial, uh, writing all the the media tie-in books, and I guess this is a way of controlling that. You know, instead of writing Halo novels, he he writes his own genre universe and that sort of thing. But yeah, it seems like the they get the advantage of not being a sellout, <laughs> but also uh, it's just not interesting to me personally. Well, I appreciate the effort behind it, I guess. I like the idea of a, yeah. a shared world done in a multimedia platform. And I guess hearing an audio version of that would be really interesting. But it um, might be good. Sorry. I find the, interest, the idea of taking a, speculative history back to the Mongols very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were they were a 
huge force that ravaged half the world. And we forget about that. We just think of them as the source of a beef food dish. <laughs> um, oh, yum. Mongol- <laughs> Mongolian food. <laughs> but but I I mean I always thought the Mongols were pretty kick ass. Um but yeah. they were scary, dangerous, freaky people. Yeah, one of the great empires. Mm-hmm. I just finished uh Oh, actually, I haven't quite finished. I'm almost finished the uh, Genghis Khan and the Making of the Modern World by Jack Weatherford, and they are a fascinating. Their history is fascinating, um, and that makes me pull towards it. But this is actually not told from their POV. I think it's told from the uh, knights. Yeah, the knights fighting against them, sort of. Hmm. <laughs> Let's go infiltrate. Wait, we don't look like the locals. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also. I was gonna say, I think it's also a Kickstarter project uh, to have a video game based on this with Mm. uh, all the sword play that they researched. Right. Mm. This actually grew out of uh, a sword fighting thing that they all participate in. Yeah, that's 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 what I I thought was kind of interesting, but I'm not sure. uh, It sounds like it's action oriented rather than. You know, it's it's action oriented fiction rather than idea based fiction, mm. and that's I just don't I don't usually get excited about that. But that's just me. We got two people already going for it. Yeah. So oh, definitely. When you you're gonna split in it half and send it one to one or <laughs> one person already had it. So oh, okay. They thought they might as well. Whoever gets it, we'll, we'll look at the review. Yeah. Awesome. So up next we have Blackbirds by Chuck Wendig. And I'm kind of bummed about this one because I've already read the print and oh. I kind of wish I'd waited so I could have listened to the audio. I did pull out the first disc and listen to the first part of it. And it seems to be really well done. I wasn't familiar with Emily Bearsford, but this is one of the titles that's coming from Angry Robot through Brilliance. Um, so, you know, these are one of the first titles to come out from them. And Tana is actually the reason I read this book. Uh, yeah, I've read it too. Yeah, you've read it too. Uh, another another think, one of your Tim? good friends. Mm-hmm. What did you think about it, Tim? Um, well, it's nice and short, and uh, it's very profane and violent, so I wasn't <laughs> bored. Yeah, it is. Must uh, be profane and violent to keep him from being coming bored. <laughs> I'm very well, ADD, ca- so I need that. The this character might, of Miriam Black might be a good, good book for you, uh, Mike. I mean, Matt. I'm sorry. This might be a good book for you. It's kind of like uh, he'll just write anything on the page. It doesn't. Yeah, uh, I get. I haven't read his stuff, but I get the feeling that I would like it. So there's a monkey on the on the author's website, so that <laughs> makes me think uh, <laughs> our hirsute friend will, will will like it. Must love time travel. Hmm. Yeah, it's a cool looking cover. Yeah, I love the cover. It's a. Uh, it's. It's not bor- It's a lot of combination of boring covers and just the the sword chick on the cover, the covers. But yeah, this is something different. Well, and this character is really interesting because she knows when people are going to die. Hmm. She doesn't cause their deaths, but she benefits from them. So she'll like she'll meet someone at one point, write down in her calendar when they're going to die, and she'll be there so that she can take their money. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> It's very practical. <laughs> yes. It's a little different take on it. Yeah. 
And I get very good reviews. Oh yeah. I kind of think if you like Chuck Palahniuk or maybe Stephen King, it would appeal to you. But I also think if you like, um, girl with a dragon tattoo, you know, that kind of slightly tortured, but very strong character. It's kind of along those lines for me. I loved it. Sorry. Clive Brookman. (laughs) (laughs) The episode of the X-Files, similar character. Mm -hmm. Oh, Peter Boyle. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that was an, a fantastic episode. <laughs> Except he just sold them insurance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Boy, that's, 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 I haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> cool. I, right. I had the impression that she's just a female impression of Chuck Wendig. So if you know how yeah. Chuck Wendig talks, it's basically like that. Mm. Like just totally unfiltered. And <laughs> uh, One review here says... I can see how people either love or hate this book. And then the follow-up sentence is, I'm on team more, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. May I have another? That's pretty good. Yeah, there is. The second one is coming out already. Um, and I don't know how many there are planned. Series. Uh-oh. Standalones. Series Where are all the sand standalones? Hmm. That's a bygone age. I think it is. It's pretty short, though. Yeah, it's a quick I mean, read. I mean, it's eight hours. So it's not terrible. It's definitely a uh, action-oriented book where things happen right away. Huh. Absolutely. Now I know the next one is definitely a standalone, right? It is. You're reading it. I, I have not read this Philip K. Dick novel. Yeah, and we're talking about Counterclock World. It's actually originally it's like an a, expansion from a short story that he wrote called Your Appointment Will Be Yesterday. Oh yeah. And it's all about time has started to move backwards. So um people disgorge their food and people <laughs> are coming back to life and getting younger and eventually re-entering wombs. I was gonna say, I'm so glad I have not had any children. <laughs> well, <laughs> It's interesting. Oh, the the thing I like the most about it, though, because I'm a librarian. The librarians have all the power. (laughs) (laughs) And they use it for evil, unfortunately. Uh, That's that's just like in real life. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be sitting in my car listening, and I'll just start laughing because the evil librarians and how terrified everyone is of the library. It says, uh, the, the novel describes a future in which time has started to move in reverse, resulting in the dead reviving in their own graves. "Quote unquote old birth, <laughs> mm-hmm. living their lives in reverse." So this is that episode of Red Dwarf where they they live in a backwards world and everybody's backwards. Uh, and and I think it was one of the char- one of the characters, Lister, maybe was saying how it's actually a better place because uh, you you start old and you get younger and younger, <laughs> and so things get better and better for you. Yeah, yeah, World War II for, was going to be great because yeah, yeah. millions of people, people were coming come back to, to life. That's right. Come <laughs> out of the ovens and start walking out of the concentration camps. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's yeah. It's like playing a country song backwards. <laughs> you know, you get your wife back, you get your truck back, you get your dog back. <laughs> there is it, it is actually a, a fairly big mystery in physics is why time zero works in the one direction. Uh, rather than any other direction, you know, we can. There's assume- not an app for that. <laughs> well, the thing is, is you know, there's no uh, 
there's no good definition for time other than you know two objects in relation to each other, two or more objects in relation to each other. Um, and we could set you know light as the standard, but um, it is it sounds like a science fiction story, but I don't know how good he's not really much on science. He's usually a just interesting ideas how uh, how far into it are you i'm about halfway and i think the science is what kind of trips me up some of the time because it's not everything that goes backwards or at least it's not going backwards exactly the same way it went Mm -hmm. like events are reversed but you don't necessarily take your own child back into your body it can Hmm. you can you can apply for that job (laughs) they just have a certain number and then but it's (laughs) <laughs> yeah and then there's this weird <laughs> moment where this woman is describing that that child is a part of me i absorbed it into myself and i'm like oh ee, yeah well it's... oh wait a minute if you're forging food then a lot of people are going to the bathroom to collect <laughs> well, that's the uh that's an episode of south park too <laughs> yeah so some of it gets a little like ooh, gross um <laughs> But then it's not very consistent because obviously things are still happening that didn't happen before because of all these circumstances. But knowledge gets taken away and destroyed. That's partly why the library is there. Um, and then once it once it's been um, – I can't remember the word they use for it. But once it's been destroyed, nobody remembers it anymore. So your memory also reverts. <laughs> it's interesting. And, oh, and Sounds they, good. And the conversations, they start out by saying goodbye. <laughs> And so you blow smoke into cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you really suck it. I guess they would it, actually would suck it, right? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a fun read. Fun. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Fun. I'm looking forward to your review of that because um, yeah, I've I, we've got a lot of these uh, these Philip K. Dick audiobooks in, and I'm just I'm so focused on the short stories. I, I, I every time I start the novel, I'm saying he's really slow. Move on. Move on. Move faster. <laughs> It's only seven hours, or seven CDs, so it's nice and short. Might be a good one to listen to after you're done with it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Okay, next uh, we have Dreadnought, The Lost Fleet Beyond the Frontier by Jack Campbell. Um, It took me a while to figure out which words went first, because Mm. the site and the cover all look different. But I think it's that (laughs) order. And it looks like it's going to be Lost Fleet is the series. Yeah. But but I think is, there was there's, there was a first series called Lost Fleet, and then uh, this is like okay. the second series. Right, All this right. is book one of a second series. Yeah. Um. So it's military sci-fi, looks like. Right. Do you know the other series, Tam? The first one? Like, have you heard any of it? I, I, I haven't read it, but I know Steve Gibson of Security Now loves it. Hmm. And uh, I know, I've heard other people like it, too. But so it's definitely it, it, a series. It's, it sounds like it follows up on... I'm um, just reading the text. It sounds like it follows up on the first series. So if you like the first series, you probably uh, continue with it. Um, it military SF uh, in, in the sort of space spaceships. Is that how it works? Looks like it. Right. Space battles. Mm-hmm. I've, heard, I've, heard this, I've heard the space battles really take uh, relativity into account. Like, hmm. I guess when you shoot... A laser or a projectile, he takes like the time it takes to travel and stuff into account. Hmm. It might have a fresh take on battle, space battles. Yeah. There's a, I think there was um. No wave uh, motion uh, gun? 
<laughs> I think there was a game on Steam called, uh, I could be wrong about this, uh, called Gratuitous Space Battles or something like that. And it was like, <laughs> it's exactly what, you know, uh, the space operas from Battlestar Galactica and Babylon 5. It's all about that. Big ships crashing into each other and laser beams and mm-hmm. Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, well, no, the, that those are more fighter based. Those are like, uh, the, that's that's more based on, um, I think World War II fighter planes, right? Bombers. Whereas uh, this is more like old, you know, ships, battleships and stuff crashing into each other. <laughs> B nine, <laughs> you sank my battleship. I'm sorry. Indeed. That was a movie, wasn't it? I wanted yeah. to see giant pegs come out of the sky. I really did. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe that's in the in the end credits. Maybe they have that <laughs> director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, the next two are both book three and different series. So, um, if you don't know the series, I'm not sure I would start with these but um the first one's fantasy it's shadow blizzard by alexi pehov i'm gonna guess that's how i say his name he's russian and i'd never heard of him before but i was reading more and he's really big in russia um really well-known well-awarded fantasy novelist um and this book sounds like pure fantasy you know there are goblins and battles and the nameless one and kings and labyrinths and (laughs) it sounds like a kind of a classic type story and it's quite long so um this looks like a good one for people who are who like to invest into fantasy it's a very cool uh, the website for the author's pretty cool art on it it's got like thieves climbing in through windows with crossbows and Hmm. it's it's uh it's the exact stuff i was reading in the 80s it's I'd be going, cool Hmm. (laughs) lots of dungeons and dragon style uh action definitely love that stuff well and we're about 10 years out like it came out in russia in 2002 i'm not sure when the print came out here but this is definitely new to audio in english for mm-hmm. us so might be might be interesting I, but i wouldn't pick it up in the middle of the series right i have to kind of uh, go back i wonder if i wonder if we've received i don't remember this author from before i wonder if we've received uh, earlier audiobooks in in this series yeah we should look into it yeah um the the way to uh hope hopefully they didn't just start mid-series as as an audiobook but um is there is it's all done so that that actually might mean that if it's a six book series then you could just snap them all up one mm-hmm. after another. that's that's actually i think the best way to deal with series is just read them right through all, all at once and treat them like one big book oh absolutely other than wait the six years between. That's your rule, right, Jenny? You don't start a series until it's done. <laughs> George R. R. Martin and I, you know, <laughs> still, I'm still waiting. <laughs> she's, watching, she's checking her watch. <laughs> uh, so the first one was called Shadow Prowler. Second, oh, okay. Chase, Shadow Chaser. Third one, Shadow Blizzard. And then the fourth one is in Russian, so I can't read that one. Okay. But, oh, maybe that's, no, that's a different series. But he seems to have a bunch. There's mm-hmm. a whole Russian version of Goodreads, apparently. Oh, I didn't know that. Did Audible translate this? 
Oh, oh, yeah. it, came, it came from Brilliant. No, I've seen his books in my store in English, so uh, oh, okay. Okay. I don't think they translated it. Uh, well, somebody must have translated it. Did the author translate it? Don't. A... It doesn't say on my thing, but... Well, art anyways. Well, and it's funny because I, I always like the science fiction that comes out of Russia, but I don't think I've read any fantasy from there, so it might be worth it. Luke, Luke was talking about on his podcast uh, very recently about a uh, book called The Scar right. uh, that's not science. It's fan, it's a fantasy world. And it, that sounded really interesting. Hmm. Uh, but it's not out of Russia. It's out of Ukraine, I think. Hmm. Um, but yeah, for, foreigners doing uh, their own stuff and then translating tends to be pretty cool because the concepts that they that all hackneyed to us... Uh, are different concepts. So they're new and fresh, right? Hmm. Yeah, they're probably so, not copying token. No. Yeah, that's true. Or, they're that's talking some weird translation of, or, or they're ta- copying uh, the weird translation spawn of Tolkien or whatever. <laughs> or going back right. to some completely different tradition like the Mongols. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. So the other book three is um, The Hot Gate, which is Troy Rising book three by John Ringo. More science Not fiction. The military SF, yeah. Yeah. Must be a big crowd for that because there seems to be quite a few of those. I think it's guy uh, romance novels. <laughs> I do instead of romance novels, it's military. Well, it's, it's, it's pretty much all Bane is, really. Yeah. Bane books. Uh, well, I, you know, realistically, no, not. But it's a huge chunk of what they publish. Yeah. It's funny because she there was a discussion really recently on the Sword and Laser group about what scenes people like to write as writers. Mm-hmm. And almost every man that answered the question said that their favorite things to write were combat scenes. So mm-hmm. that kind of plays into that. Mm. That is because Aww. we are men. <laughs> because you want <were> men. <laughs> Because they don't have to actually write conversations. (laughs) Pass me more ammo! (laughs) That's not a conversation. (laughs) That's a man conversation. That's a man conversation. A man conversation. Men could be sitting there and say, pass me more beer. (laughs) That's right. That's about right. Okay, this next one. Omega Point, a Richards and Klein investigation by Guy Haley. So... K-52 is a vast artificial intelligence with world domination on its mind. It's down to Richards and Kleins to stop K-52. <laughs> yeah, I think one of them is an android. I, I've seen it in stories. I, I haven't read it, though. Die uh. <laughs> <laughs> Haley. This is another angry robot title. Okay. I'm just not enamored by the... Uh... It's more of an angry AI, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, would it's we consider a, this urban fantasy, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of cool. It, it, the cover, um, the one I'm looking at, it's got a angry robot with a human partner. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, that old Isaac Asimov uh, Caves of Steel thing, right? Where you've got a detective and uh, his robot partner, or the other way around. Um, it, I like Caves of Steel. It's like, uh, pass me more beer. And they say, I don't drink beer. <laughs> then pass me more ammo. <laughs> we have <had> a <laughs> agree on ammo. <laughs> pass me the oil, honey. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That's a whole different kind of novel. 
I'm going to subscribe to this blog. This actually looks pretty good. Haley's Comet. Uh, the uh, Guy Haley blog. Hmm. It's, it's it, you know, I think th- that's one of the best ways to find new authors is to read what they're writing about their nonfiction. They're not, you know, I'm on book tour, but when they write an essay and you say, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really tends to make me uh, want to read them. I know that uh, Steel Remains, when that came out, uh, Richard K. Morgan wrote a an essay about uh, how Tolkien is uh, wimping out on certain things, and you know it's designed to infuriate Tolkien fanatics. <laughs> um, and I thought, oh, you know, he's made an interesting point here. I, I got to read that book. <laughs> poke the nerds! Don't poke the nerds. <laughs> no, like, well, no. I, if you want them to react, that's a good way to do it. Did you end up liking that book? Oh, uh, I don't like that it was a series, but um, I think it was interesting to talk about. We we had a good discussion about that. Right, there was a podcast about it. Yeah, and I, I like his standalone stuff a lot more. He wrote he wrote uh, sort of a lot of mixed. He'll do a series and then he does a standalone. But it was certainly worth reading the first one. I I don't think I I think the second one's out and I'm not reading that. So that's just my standard thing. Okay. Um, up next, we have Farmer in the Sky by Robert A. Heinlein. And I feel like every time I look at a new releases list, there are two or three Heinlein titles on there. So uh, this is another one. It's an and... upcoming new author. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe he just hit the public domain or something. I'm not no, sure. No, 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 no. No? Not yet? Not, okay. not a, no. He hasn't been uh, dead for 70 years. <laughs> he's just a great seller. He's just a great seller. And this is a great novel. Um, really fun and very unusual. I mean, it's about a f- space farmer. Yeah. <laughs> that, the action is, uh, there's a dude on a planet and his big troubles are things like, uh, he's, he's living on Ganymede and he, he has trouble, like, getting, uh, getting the collective tractor that everybody <laughs> uses to turn up the, the lunar soil or whatever it is. Um, but Heinlein's just a great ideas writer and he's got a young character. It's, it's a YA. Mm-hmm. Definitely a good book. So or my juvenile, question is, as I said, yeah. I listened to Tunnel in the Sky, which is mm. also Heinlein. So <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if there's a relation. Like, did they travel through the Tunnel in the Sky to get both e- farmers in the no, Sky? Totally unrelated. <laughs> it's not the same family. Okay. No, totally Farmer in the Tunnel in the Sky. <laughs> there are new games on Facebook. Farmville in the Sky. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. That's an expansion that. <laughs> money so it's just like Silent Running that movie with Bruce Dern where he's gardening in space uh, that one's a little more uh, environmentally conscious oh this, this isn't one, this is more like um, how it, how to farm in space and how, how we would do it and uh, you know you need to bring earth from earth to invigorate the the sterile soil and um, I mean that's what I remember from it but it's you know, it says the frontier is dangerous and nature is cruel. And I think it's just really good, old-fashioned, hard-ish, uh, pretty hard SF set in the solar system, which is unusual for Heinlein. He often goes off, not just out of the binary Earth's moon thing, but off into other stars and such. Mm-hmm. This is a really good listen. I, I don't know about Nick Podell, though, the narrator. I don't know anything about him. It's worth a shot, then. Yeah. So this will fit in with all these solar operas that are coming out these days. 
solar operas? Yeah, like a lot of these Space new science operas? fiction books are just staying within the solar system, like uh-huh. Leviathan Wakes and Blue right. Earth. Okay. Yeah, well, it's more realistic in a larger sense. Um, while we're talking about Heinlein, I wanted to mention the other one I, I got in from him, um, The Number of the Beast. Right. It looks like it's performed by a group of people this time around. Um, and I'm really interested by this story. Uh, let me read the little tiny brief synopsis. Um, anything can begin at a party in California, and everything does, when four supremely sensual and unspeakably cerebral humans, two male, two female, find themselves under attack from aliens who want their awesome quantum breakthrough, they take to the skies and zoom into the cosmos on a rocket roller coaster ride of adventure, danger, ecstasy, and peril. Yeah, I, I don't think it's just into the sky. They go through alternate dimensions. Huh. Um, it's a, it's a. I liked it a lot when it came out uh, back in the '80s, and I think I was wrong to like it. I know there was lots of late Heinlein stuff that was very bothersome. It's it's quite a bloaty book, 17 CDs, so mm. it's not small for Heinlein. Um, but I believe this is. This is the one where he goes to every uh, alternate dimension. So there's like he goes to the dimension where Barsoom is real, and they go to another dimension where everybody's a cat or something like that. The dimension uh, where everybody's a lawyer. Oh no, that was Sliders. <laughs> is there is there an episode where they they're all lawyers? Yeah, I gotta rewatch that show. I love Sliders. <laughs> the episode where giant insects have taken over. No, I. <sighs> <laughs> no, they didn't have that, did they? I probably did. I, there's there's enough episodes of Sliders. They probably did everything. Yeah. Oh, no. They, there was lots of stuff that I wanted them to do, and they just never did. Yeah. The lawyer I, they they went to a communist one, I think, at one the, point. The lawyer one always stuck in my head because they appear, arrived, and somebody like bumped into somebody and said, Oh, I'm sorry, and then was instantly sued. Yeah. Because <laughs> he did liability. I, I, think, I think that's our world. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, Maybe it's a Satan too, right? That's what the title means. Maybe it's a Satan's world. Uh yeah. There's 666 universes or something like that. Uh, uh I can't I can't recall it all that well, except um I read it in like 90 or something, 1990, something like that. So it wasn't that long out after it was written. I would guess. Let's see. <laughs> I've never heard a good review of the book. It's you know what? It's 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 late Heinlein, but it's in amongst all the crap that he does for that, it's got some. He's got some really cool ideas, and so yeah, I can't imagine it. It's if I reread it now, I'd be probably really pissed off with it. I heard somebody in a review talking about going back and rereading it and thinking it's a, it's just a bunch of people bickering about who's in charge. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the Heinlein things. I'm I'm feeling sexy right now. I was going to say, uh, I vaguely I'm your mother, the or whatever. the word sensual as an important no. descriptor of the I know. <laughs> did, did you feel dirty after you read it? I felt he wasn't doing the work I wanted him to do. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, just looking at the Wikipedia entry, it says... Uh, the diary entries of four main characters, Zebediah John Carter, uh, programmer Deja Thoris Didi Burroughs Carter, her mathematics professor Jason J- Jacob Burroughs, off-campus socialite Hilda Corners, and she might have been from another Heinlein book previously. 
Uh, Deja Thoris, Burroughs, and Carter are overt references to John Carter. Gosh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, w- one of the, uh, I mean, it's it's fun. Some of this stuff is fun. They go to the Land of Oz. Um, <gasps> oh, you to- mean, um, um, isn't that where that first Star Wars movie took place? Uh, I'm sorry, tell me that's not Oz. Naboo? <laughs> Naboo? Is that it's Oz? Oz! Amadala is Ozma. I'm serious. <laughs> there are there 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 the guards' uniforms are like straight out of the Oz books. Hmm. It's a planet where everybody's happy and friendly, and the princess wears pretty clothes. Except she's an elected princess too. I think that's that's a pretty strange way of doing your mon- monarchy. Is uh, I'm I'm not just a queen. I'm a I'm an elected queen, so it's okay. <laughs> you get your it's princess Oz. without having it being a, a just a birth thing. It's Oz. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, they also go to the British Empire, uh, British ruled empire on Mars. So, Space eighteen eighty nine. Yeah, uh, basically. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine if you're you read all the other Heinlein stuff, you'll definitely want to read this because it's good. Uh, in the same way that those are good, but there's a lot of crap in it that's no good. <laughs> that's my memory. But anyways, it was a slipstream okay. novel. Oh, uh, don't I don't know what it is. It's it's Heinlein out of control. <laughs> <laughs> Heinlein unedited. Heinlein gone wild. Heinlein's gone wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Well, where that one may go on a bit long, we also have the year's top ten tales of science fiction, volume four. This comes from Infinivox, and uh, there are, I guess, maybe 11 stories on here. <laughs> Not 10? Maybe 10. One of them I recognize. <laughs> the title is in, says 10. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Here's top 10. My brain is on. <laughs> it must That's be 10. That's the surprise ending. It says it's <laughs> <laughs> surprise ending, there's 11. Do they actually list the stories on the package? They do, oh. and they're listed on the CD, so you know which story oh, is nice. on which disc. Yeah, we've wow. talked about that being a problem with other publishers before, but they do it right. So um, what year would this be from? Is this uh, 2011? Well, it comes out on the 28th of June, or okay. I guess it came out on the 28th of June. So it must be 2011. It has um, After the Apocalypse by Maureen McHugh, which was nominated for Hugo and was also in that Jonathan Strahan volume of the best science fiction, too. So that story has gotten quite a bit of coverage this past year. Um, some of the other authors I recognize, like Charles Strauss and Peter Ball. But there's some there's some great stuff on there. Robert hmm. Reed. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I recognize uh, pretty much all the authors' names, but I don't recognize any of the stories uh, mm-hmm. from anything, so I guess these are not Hugo-nominated. Well, after the, after the Apocalypse comes from a a book of short stories, but uh-huh. um, that's the one that I enjoyed quite a bit. It's definitely worth a listen. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, think, I didn't recognize. I think that might be the way story. to just just do do them one at a time. I don't tend, I can't, you know, listen to a whole bunch of short stories back to back without, especially by different authors. Sure. Uh, without uh, having them get mushed together, so. Um, thing you listen to from time to time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pick out the authors as, as you're interested in them. Yeah. Um, so up next we have Kiss the, De- Kiss the Dead, which is Anita Blake Vampire Hunter novel by Laurel K. Hamilton. Ooh, this porn. one Penguin Audio. <laughs> so I've never read a 
they don't even have uh, numbers on them anymore. There's so many of them. Yeah. I, I, many friends and I have started out liking the Anita Blakes, and they just turn into porn. Yeah. I, I hear lately they're going back to, like, uh, noir, like... I mean, I'm not uh, sure, but... You can't have a noir series. It doesn't work. That that They're incompatible ideas. Like an investigatory sure. story. Ah, ah, okay. But for people who like it... Hard-boiled is possible. Yeah. yeah. Well, hard-boiled is a subgenre of noir. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but I, I do know that noir means everything's fucked and everybody's dead. <laughs> uh, Hamlet, Hamlet is a noir. Mm-hmm. Well, it's... Spoiler! Hamlet! Considering Thanks. these are vampires, does that qualify? Uh, yeah. I, no, it just true. means Everybody's they can hold dead. their breath longer for underwater <laughs> sex. You can have a, a vampire noir, and maybe that's maybe that's the point. Yeah, not... <laughs> I think take the closest her. you could get is the whiny vampires in Anne Rice. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very opinionated. Uh, well, um. I, I hear Anne Rice is back to writing vampire books or werewolf books. Yeah, she recovered from being Christian. Yeah, yeah, I think so. yeah. She got over that. Yeah, she posted about it. It's an interesting read. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I she had problems with the. I don't know. if She's spiritually uh, upset as much as she's problem with the 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 church itself. You know, the uh, the hierarchy, etc. Hmm. On high, doesn't really matter. Um, what what's what's the story on this? Are we going to be able to find anybody to review any of our? <laughs> I'm, Isn't I'm Kristen going to do it? it? I'm going to work on it. We're in, I know there are people out there that love these novels. So, so yeah, we were going to have you uh, do your public service announcement. Right? Oh, that's right. Um, we are looking for reviewers. Haha. <laughs> I need um, people who like to write reviews and want free copies of audiobooks to email me and let me know what subgenres they like to read. We seem to have a lot of people who like to read space things, but we need people on the fantasy side, the urban fantasy side, vampires, zombies, you know. Really, really, really long Heinlein novels. Yeah. Military sci-fi. Clearly we need someone to do that. So don't forget the keyword is like to write reviews though. Don't, yeah. don't, don't downplay that. Cause otherwise you'll get a bunch of freeloaders. Who, no, I if, mean, you, right? if, we, if, if you have a blog and you've written reviews and the blog is more than six months old and has more than six reviews on it, that's a good chance that we'll be sending you an audiobook. Yeah. Uh, asked for when I posted about this in our blog is link me to a review of yours. It can be in Goodreads. It can yeah, be Goodreads is fine. It can, it can be anywhere. It doesn't have to be like a published academic review. Um, but we want people who actually are listen to a lot of audiobooks and will sit and listen to something we send them. And I would probably email you and ask you if you want to listen to something. I won't like give you an assignment or anything. Yeah. Sounds good. Because I'm starting to like build walls. <laughs> you can insulate your home. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it, it seems like it won't be a problem until they actually start coming, right? <laughs> they come in boxes, yeah. not just one at a time. Can, can I get a dibs in if, a, if an audiobook of a book I just bought comes out? I, I, haven't, I don't do a lot of reading because I'm stuck working on my show all the time. But I just got the latest Thursday Next novel. And I'm hoping it will come out on audio. Yeah. Who's that by? Jasper Ford with two Fs. Oh, yeah, I heard of him. Oh, if you haven't covered the Thursday Next books, oh, we on that show. Yeah, we should do it along. I've read the first one. What kind of books are those? Aren't they? Uh, 
very bizarre fantasy. Oh. Mm. Almost it, it, it references a lot of literature, right? It's very yeah. literate. It's like it's, it. Yeah. it involves it's, a lot, but especially because a lot of the, the series takes place within the world of literature, mm-hmm. jumping from book to book and interfering and stuff. It's really, really good. It's fun. That, uh, yeah, it looks good. It's very clever, and there's it. I mean, it goes. It's up and down. Different different books I like better than others, but as a whole, so far they've been just really good. Like one where she actually brings Hamlet outside into the real world, and <laughs> and while he's gone, Ophelia stages a coup and puts a a, a stand-in Hamlet in so that she can run the book, and. <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense within the context of the world as set up, and you have to read your way into it to be able to grok everything. <laughs> but it is—it's really good. Yeah, that sounds like the unwritten comics. It's yeah, same idea. Hmm. There, it looks like there's two Jasper Ford books out, um, but it's from recorded books, which they haven't been sending us anything. I don't think Jenny. Right. There's actually like I think the first five or six of them have been available, whether they're oh, really? now or not. The Air what? Affair, the Lost in a Good Book. I'm not necessarily in order. Uh, Something Rotten, which is the Hamlet one. I mean, I've got I think the first six or so. Uh, as audiobooks? Yeah. Wow. Uh, Shades of Grey. I'm seeing on Audible, and uh, That's one not of our the series though it's a different set. One of our Thursdays is missing. That's the new one. That's the one I want. Ah, okay. So that was released or late to no oh, early 2011 so it's definitely available hmm maybe we need to contact recorded books mm-hmm. well dibs <laughs> all right <laughs> we all got right. a reviewer okay <laughs> um i guess we can move on to the next one this one mm-hmm. is shadow of night by deborah harkness it's actually a follow-up to discovery of witches this comes from penguin audio 24 and a half hours long. <laughs> um, I've heard That's a day. Some, some interesting responses from these books. This is this one isn't officially out yet, but from the first one, it's a combination of library setting and really in-depth magic system and historical fiction along with a romance. A lot of the reviewers like one of those parts, but not the other, it seems like. Um, but it sounds like it, it has a interesting concepts to it. So vampires. This is the second book. Yeah, another vampire one. I, I heard it's like Twilight and, and Harry Potter together for adults. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure. backing away slowly this here. This is right for her. But, but it's, it's like on the bestseller list. Like if you walk into a bookstore, it it's right there on the bestseller list. Yeah, but so is Fifty Shades of Grey, and that's written by a fourth <laughs> grader, I think. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So, we're seeing some interesting stuff uh, coming. Spatula. By the way, Tam, that's not a day. That's a Martian day. 24 and a half hours. Okay. Oh, yeah. Didn't even question it. (laughs) Maybe if you read it at two times speed. (laughs) No, that would be 48 hours, which would be some other day. (laughs) Oh, whatever. Martian day is like almost 25 hours long. Uh Ah. Yeah, these books are on Oprah's list, so they must be good. Uh-oh. Uh... So uh, you had Number of the Beast uh, as the next one. Yeah, we already talked about that. Well, we've already so then, um, solved that. Moon War by Ben Bova, hmm. which is book two of the Moon Base saga. The, I guess that would be, what do you call that, Damn Solar? 
Solar Opera? Solar Opera. Opera, okay. Yeah, so Scott talked about this being uh, uh, a series related to another series that Bova has done as a... It's the Grand Tour series, I think it was called. Sort of the colonization of the whole solar system. Hmm. But I I'm, I'm, I haven't read much Bova, so I can't really say. I read some of that early stuff, but... I don't even know if this is a new book or what. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's new. I he's the one that wrote all the red Mars, green Mars. No, that's uh, no. Stanley Robinson. Oh, okay. Kind of related. Boba yeah, has done book. Mars books. Yeah. Mars Return to Mars. What's this one again? Moon War. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Moon War is listed as 1998 in the Wikipedia article. Mm-hmm. So this must just be new to audio. We see that a lot, where it takes people a while to get the books into audio. But it I is read by Stefan Nicky. Yeah, it's been released before. But I think they're doing. I think Blackstone's doing the entire uh, canon of of Bova's work. I see. Um, like like, and that's also why they're doing the black. You know, Blackstone's also doing those Heinlein books. A lot of it has been released before, either by other publishers or what have you. But. Uh, it's just because they're p- really popular authors and everything's getting audiobook these days. It's wonderful. Hmm. It's because we're all lazy. I don't know. I mean, um, multitasking. <laughs> I can read more books this way. Yeah. Because I can't read the print when I'm driving. So. Oh. oh, exactly. No, no. I'm... Or uh, when I'm mowing the lawn. Multitasking. Can you hear an audiobook when you're Earbuds and uh, what are those? You put in earbuds and you have the head. Uh, Sound cancellation headphones? No, just the the ones that keep noise out. Yeah. <laughs> noise what, are those, what are those things here? No, they're, they're, they're not. There's no electronics in them. They're just earmuffs. You know, they cover up your. Oh. It's like what you would use in a gun range or something. Actually, my Sony earbuds uh, block out noise pretty well. I'm able to mow the lawn and listen. Yeah, uh, cool. it's um, it's just an extra layer to some podcasts. Their their mix levels really so bad. They put a sheet over your head. Right. <laughs> That's the key. While I'm mowing, while the you're lawn. mowing, yeah, your neighbors that's... think it's a ghost. <laughs> Sounds like you might get tangled up. I'd be careful if I'm I were like, you. Go try it. You got a ghost mowing your lawn? How much does it charge? <laughs> um, mows so very smoothly. The rest of the books I have on my list aren't, you know, there's other categories, so you guys can scan through those and see if you want to mention any of them. I will say that The Chaperone by Laura, Laura Moriarty has been getting a lot of press, and um, Elizabeth McGovern, who reads it, is the American character on Downton Abbey, so a lot of people are familiar with Wait, yeah. her. She she had a movie career in the 80s, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, because she was married to um, Sean Penn, too. That's, she's pretty well known oh. for that, too. Or she was his girlfriend. I don't know. Something like that. Are you over Downton Abbey? Oh, it was... I, I resisted for a really long time. And then ended up getting sick and watching both seasons. That's a really good way to watch it, I would think. It was great. I really loved it. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> it's, it's something to watch while you're sick. It's very good for that. Yeah. Lots of people lying around in beautiful houses. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was actually a really good story. And it's really well acted. So... Can't ask it's for a, much it's more a than super that. soap opera, but it's it's very very beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, in all those caddy uh, servants. <laughs> yeah, that was a great part. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to argue. I liked um, Cranford, so. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. <laughs> That's a, it's another uh, historical setting, but it's uh, like 50 years after Jane Austen. Okay. Hmm. It's actually a really fun series of books that written at the time, you know, for those who like Jane Austen. And, oh, and it's the, not, not a TV series. Oh, the BBC series stars Jane, Dame Judi oh. Dench, which is hilarious. Oh. Watching her, you know, watching her in like James Bond or something and then turning around and watching her play this cute little old lady <laughs> <laughs> who's like, oh, oh, I couldn't teach geography. I can't keep track of those things. <laughs> mm. Acting. I have to look that one up. So, Jenny, you skipped The Orphan Master. Was there a reason for that? Oh, I didn't know if you wanted to mention all of these or not. Of course. Um, we mentioned well, everything we received. Okay, well, I've actually read part of the ebook of The Orphan Master. It's very, very much historical fiction based on New Amsterdam, you know, which is now known as New York. Yeah. Um, so, and that Gene Zimmerman is a new author. So, I liked to see that they already did an audiobook of one of her books. It's promising, I think. Mm-hmm. Um I, I got a copy of it, um, the ebook version, because Penguin is doing this first flights program where every month they send out a book if you've signed up for that program. And then they do an interview with the author and a podcast with the author. It's mm. kind of a cool thing. It's to promote new authors. Um, so, yeah, that's good. And um, we have two John Le Carre. Is that? Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be got saying it. it. <laughs> yes. Um, one's a George Smiley book, The Secret Pilgrim. And one is called A Perfect Spy, and they're both read by Michael Jaston. Michael mm-hmm. Jaston, I think, is a really good narrator. Um, if I'm recalling right, let me see if I can look him up. Um, obviously British. Uh, let's see if I, I think that's right. Yeah, um, so those Le Carre, you know, we've got a, there's a reason they're sending us these spy books. Um, I don't, I can't exactly explain why we, we get non-genre books but spy books and crime books we have a way of releasing those under our oral noir banner Mm -hmm. so i used to back a long time ago i started a website that was like sff audio except uh was made it twice as much work it was it was exactly like a clone worked exactly the same way um and after a certain point i said why am I updating two websites? It's like twice as much work. So I just folded that one into SFF Audio. And so posts go up uh, about crime and mystery and noir and hard-boiled and espionage. Uh, because I think they are they work in the same way in my mind. All this genre stuff works in the same way because it's about ideas. Hmm. That's all I care about is interesting ideas, uh, either fictional a hypothetical, real, um, and I, I think history works in the same way in my mind. I read it, I say, oh, that's interesting. And there's very little that I want to read that doesn't have a lot of good new ideas or uh, old spins on new ideas or completely bonkers ideas. I don't want to read anything that isn't like that, usually. Right. But that just doesn't include things like romance novels. I, I tend not to like oh. them. Or... Or, sadly, uh, you know, uh, all those military SF novels. They tend to bore the shit out of me, too. So. <laughs> uh, there's, 
Oh, I was going to say I'm a big fan of Le Carre, but if you if yeah, you if you want to know who is a good reader for Le Carre, who's that? Le Carre. Oh, oh really? He okay. did a number of his own stories, and he has a beautiful voice. Hmm. I have um, Call for the Dead that he did, and uh, at least one or two other ones, and he's just fabulous to listen to, and. Yeah, it, it's. I don't like all his books, but I do generally like his books very much. Hmm. Well, I, I tell you, Michael Jason's really good. I, I wrote a post about a uh, reading he did of a book called Rogue Mail uh, by Jeffrey Household, who's like a uh, early World War II era writer. Uh, you know, he's writing, uh, you know, 1939 and. Um, he did a really great reading of that for BBC, and it was uh, just enthralling. So uh, I can't, I can't say I haven't heard uh, Le Carre reading himself. Sometimes authors are really good, but this guy is super talented and good at sort of the. He plays James Bond in one of the uh, uh, audio dramas as well. So hmm. he's 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 a uh, going to be a good match. I think uh, if no, if you can't find a taker for that, I'll 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 do a Le Carre for sure. Okay. Well, and it looks like a perfect spy is a standalone one, so you might yeah, be more interested that, in that, that sounds, one. You know, it, it tends to it it tends not to be as big an issue in mysteries like Sherlock Holmes. The fact that he's still around for the next episode doesn't bother me at all because mm. they're they mysteries tend to be uh, idea based, right? Sure. It's it's all about the mystery as opposed to uh, I don't know the interactions of the characters. Not well, some uh, people like that too. I don't know. And well, the Secret Pilgrim is a collection of loosely connected short stories. Oh, in oh. the Smiley, well, oh, Smiley's very tangential to it. I vaguely recollect it, and I mean, having read it at some point, I was just looking it up to make sure it was the one I was thinking of. And um, it's really involving another character who also appears tangentially in other stories. Lucario's world is very consistent. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely up for that. Um, so, who sent those to us? Was that Penguin? Yeah, it's Penguin. Okay, those are all Penguin then, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Pot Boiler by Jesse Kellerman. What's that one about? Oh, let me grab it here. Pot, Pot Boiler. boiler. It sounds, yeah, it sounds like a, a novel about novels. Cooking show. <laughs> very very basic oh, oh, cooking show. It's, First it's you like, boil the pot of water. It's like a cheap ripoff of Breaking Bad. Instead of making meth, they're boiling pot. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're doing it wrong. Um, let's see. That's the best way to cook it. It's about a character, <laughs> Arthur Pfefferkorn, who's a middle-aged college professor with long-dead literary aspirations, and his oldest friend is lost at sea. And so, I wonder he's, what happens. <laughs> he's his decision to reconnect with De Valet's widow sets in motion a surreal chain of events, plunging him into a shadowy, shadowy realm of double crosses and intrigue, a world where no one can be trusted and nothing can be taken seriously. A surreal chain of events. You forgot that. <laughs> surreal chain of events. Yeah, it, it says like, surreal. Yeah. Sounds like it's the sequel to the the uh, short story we just talked about. Yeah, should be interesting. Hmm. Uh, he looks know really young. Is uh, this a first author, first time author? No, he's had four previous novels, and his he also writes plays. Okay, playwrights tend to be pretty pretty good writers. Mm-hmm. But the reader, Kirby Hayborn, who I'm not that familiar with, is also very, very young. So 
You know, he did, uh, Kirby Hayborn did the Cory Doctorow Little Brother audiobook. Oh, is that him? Yeah. He did a great job on that. Yeah, it's very youthful, uh, sprightly. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of which, I, I, that, that's our new release for the show so far. Uh, Homeland. That's the sequel to Little Brother. I didn't know. Is it out? I saw somebody posting about it. So if it's not out, it's going to be out soon. I'm so excited for that book. I was thinking (laughs) it was going to be called Little Sister. (laughs) Even back when we did our discussion of the book, we knew it was called Homeland. Do we? Mm -hmm. Shows you what I know. It'll be really interesting considering everything that's happened that Corey Doctor has been in, you know, involved in just in reality. It can't yep. help but bring that into maybe his it, book. Maybe it'll be about the TSA this time. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. That's one of the books we're reading for that um, science fiction class that per the professor is teaching. Right. Which starts tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Are you uh, prepared? Did you get Did you get an email? Um, I have an email and I've downloaded the Grimm fairy tales and i've read a few of them but not all of them it's my project for later today such a study buddy (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm an overachiever sit at the front of the class i'm gonna be a slacker at the back making snide comments (laughs) (laughs) would not surprise me (laughs) um okay so this other book night watched by linda fairstein it seems like it's a um Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm trying to find the description here. Uh, 48 hours after Alexander Cooper arrives in France to visit her boyfriend, famed restaurateur Luc Rouget, her vacation in paradise is cut short when a young woman from the village is found murdered. And so the rest of the description says that she's going in and out of restaurants to do the investigating. So I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. Um, is that pot boiler? No, no this, this is, is Nightwatch. This be. is Nightwatch. Oh. It's in- the back says that... Um, the author was chief of the sex crimes unit of the DA's office in Manhattan for more than two decades. Wow. So she's probably going to have a good background for writing this kind of novel. Uh, Linda Fairstein, I think she's she's written a ton of books. I, I've seen her name around. Mm. So this is probably a part of a series. Yeah, because Alexander Cooper, I think all of her novels are Alexander Cooper novels. Mm. So. Hmm. But well, again, it's uh, a mystery, then it probably stands moderately alone. Yeah, yeah, well, definitely. But in and out of restaurants, that that sounds like it's a, it's it's a way for the author to get free meals. So you say, I'm doing research. <laughs> I'm writing this off. <laughs> <laughs> and also, describing meals puts a lot of words on the page, right? <laughs> That's true. That's an old NaNoWriMo trick. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I love it when good authors write about food. It makes me really hungry. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm reading this and saying, oh, that sounds great. I'm going to go make that. <laughs> and then, you, you know, you eat, eat it and then you come back to the book and, and it's, oh, that was a good meal. <laughs> and then sure. continue on with the novel. You should read Game of Thrones then. That is tons of food. Uh, didn't they make a cookbook or something? A Game yeah. of Thrones cookbook? It just came out recently. How much poison there's, is there's in There's two, actually. There's an official and an unofficial. Oh. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Seems like there's a lot of flour. <laughs> Someone has to make that flower, though, right? They should be... Uh, I, I don't really understand how the Game of Thrones world works, but they should have a lot of granaries, right? Because if if winter's always coming, they got to have lots of reserves <laughs> for the winter. But I really don't understand how... Is it, is, is that any anybody been reading it, following up to know how far into... Like, does winter last, like, six years, or what? How does it work? 
I haven't read it, but I think it's really long. (laughs) The Northern Kingdoms, and then you have the Southern Kingdoms in that aspect of the story. So I think that there's a lot of trade involved. And then there's the entire separate story that feels like the people are Mongolian, but it's, you know, it's fantasy, so it's not exactly the same. But they're out on the prairies, and they have horses that they eat, so, you know. They're taken care of. <laughs> All right. So fish and potatoes. Yeah. Ice fishing and potatoes. <laughs> so the salting and fermenting. Ice ice fishing. Mm, load of fisk. And spiced with a lot of butter. All right. So I think we've nailed uh, Night Watch, at least as best we can. <laughs> Barbara Rosenblatt, the narrator. She is an old school audiobook uh, narrator. She's one of the early people in this, probably the earliest one from uh, this list of narrators, from like the early 80s, she's been narrating audiobooks. and well, very, she's been very an good. awesome award-winning narrator that whole time. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, is, is she's, she is uh, one of the old-school classic narrators. Uh, I think George Goodell... Yeah, and uh, did we mention The Orphan Master? By Gene mm-hmm. Zimmerman? That's read by George Goodell. Again, uh, old-school audiobook narrator, very hmm. talented. Yeah, they're definitely in the top of the list. Two more, and then uh, we're into paper books, right? Yep, two more. Um, it's The Middle Class Stupid by James Carville and Stan Greenberg. Probably not yes. much interest to you, uh, Jesse, as a Canadian. but. <laughs> uh, um, I, I got one of those Bill Maher books uh, recently, and I started listening to that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's you're preaching to the choir here. Uh, so an audiobook of that, who reads that? James Carville, that'd be interesting. I wonder if he does it. Yeah, I, I left that one downstairs. With this so fun accent. Uh, oh, read by the authors. Oh, good. He's got a, he's got a fun, I don't know if it's a speech impediment or an accent, but whatever it is, it's fun. Hmm. Well, he's from Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, it could be a speech so, impediment or an accent, an depending accent. on your he's point Cajun. of view. He's Cajun. I suppose. Yeah. I don't know if I could listen to him for hours. Yeah, I don't know. It's a I, I would pick up that accent in a heartbeat <laughs> listening to it. That would be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah you, you love it. They am wondrous, I guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, 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 think he's, I think he's a fun character on as a, as a talking head on television. Anyways. Oh, totally. I don't know about Stan Greenberg. I don't know who that is, but whatever. Uh, seven hours, I think. Yeah. Uh, um, So what I heard recently uh, that I thought was pretty good about books in general was that people should just make books shorter because usually what happens is it's just one idea and they just harp on it and say it and do it over and over again because uh, that's uh, they they sell books, not uh, not pamphlets, right? Um, And Maybe, especially for the self-help books, you know, where it's uh, how to organize your life. Uh, you know, is Get there always a, Get some right? Stop reading this goddamn book and go do some of the things on this list on page one. Hmm. Um, but they, the way the book format works, you don't sell a uh, one-page pamphlet. We don't. They're not in the poster business. They're in the, the book business. So a lot of times, it's not like a continuous flow of new information it's just new ways of saying the same thing i don't know 
if the title in this case is uh, as obvious as uh, as as that, uh, but <laughs> it's the middle class, stupid. Maybe they bought the book. I, I, but I think the middle class is the lower class. So, the 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 talk the talk about that. I mean, it's it's pretty uh, easy to be done with. <laughs> Next one. Um, I hate everyone, starting with me. <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> by Joan Rivers, read by Joan Rivers. Oh, it's like nice them. to see that nonagenarians still have a job. <laughs> <laughs> Self-created. I like the title. Yeah, it's a great title. It's pretty short too. It's it's she's she's a very consistent character. She needs mm-hmm. a lot of naps. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Joan Rivers. <laughs> I think she's hilarious. Yeah, she's but but at the same she time, she hates you. And I probably deserve it for that comment. No, I think she. I think she's a fun character. That's exactly what she is. It's nice when you can manage to go your whole life and still have a job as a character at that age. and She's not... totally consistent. If you watch yeah. her old stuff, it's exactly the same as her new stuff. Uh, <laughs> it's just the jokes are about being middle-aged instead of being old. Hmm. Uh, the jokes are about her boobs uh, uh, slipping a little versus her boobs being you know, on the floor or whatever. <laughs> yeah. They're not, the, the, she's very consistent and very self-deprecating. So. Oh, she deprecates uh, everyone, though. Yeah, but that's that's the fun part, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's caricature. A caricature and a character. Almost um, made me watch this TV show about her living with her daughter, which is reality TV, which I won't watch. But the commercial had one good line in it that almost made me want to watch it, which is, you know, her daughter going, why do I have to go shopping with you? I hate that. And she goes, you're not the gay son I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I think she's fun. I, d- I don't know why they sent it to us, but um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't quite sound like it. Goes. <laughs> but uh, I I wouldn't mind reading a review of it. I, I they sent me a uh, a biography of Olivia Munn. You know her? Mm-hmm. She's, yeah, she, she's she was she's on, on the, the newsroom now. Yeah, she's on the newsroom now, and uh, she was on G four one of the G four shows. Attack of the and show. I'm like. Who is this person? <laughs> She's got a book about her. Does she have a show. <laughs> um, It was just, it was very, very, very light. And it was just basically about her, how she got her life uh, in, I don't know, television. It's not really acting at that point. It was just whatever it was she was doing. And I was thinking, why did anybody sign a book contract for her? Hmm. Um, you know, people just, if you're famous, you get a book contract. And if you can write, you actually write it. Um, and if not, then get somebody else to write it for you. But I, I, I'm always a fan of biography. I think it's it's really fun. One of my favorite uh, biographies is the the two Michael Caine biographies. He does the audiobooks for those. Those are really great. Really fun inside information and his ideas about how the world works. And I mean, like Michael Caine is pretty kick ass. Oh yeah, very fun. There are two audio biographies I really like. Um, my Life by Bill Clinton is amazing. Hmm. Um, and he reads it himself. I think it's more just him telling his own story that makes it good. And then uh, Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. That did really well last <laughs> It's hilarious. <laughs> you have to listen to it. You don't want to just read it. You have to listen. I need to listen to that. I, I, I thought it was... Uh, I, I mean, I like Tina Fey. I think she's really fun and funny and super smart and 
hilarious. But I was thinking, why do they give her a book? Like, why why do they give all these people books? But it's just because they sell, I guess. But well, she, she, she's a writer, so it's a uh, it's fun read, isn't it? It is, and she's so self deprecating. You know, it's about her childhood and her early life, and it's it's pretty funny. Some really great moments in there of complete awkwardness. <laughs> and uh, she, especially for women, I think it's a good book. Yeah. You know, the, the other thing that was like I was reading somewhere somewhere i found out she she had been like traumatized as a child somebody cut her face yeah and i'm yeah, she has a scar i didn't even realize that until uh i don't know how i came across that that factoid hmm. but yeah oh, and then when i'm watching the 30 rock i say oh yeah she, she does have a little scar there hmm. uh she really she's a laugher not a crier you know mm. uh she is really really hilarious so yeah, that might be a good good one. She does her own audiobook of that, of course, right? Yes, absolutely. All right, that sounds well, good. Well, you know, you could send me Joan Rivers. I'll give it a listen. <laughs> hey, we got a reviewer. All right. <laughs> it's, it's always great when at work I can mystify people by laughing hysterically for no reason. Sounds good. So um, we'll we'll get that sent off to you. What about uh, we've got two paper books? What do we do about these paper books they send us, Jenny? <laughs> Well, I think I might actually snag this one that I got sent. (laughs) It's called Second World by Jeremy Robinson. And on the front, it's called a thriller. But really, it's more of a uh, post-apocalyptic thriller. Nazi uh, world. Yeah, there's an ex-Navy SEAL, and he's he's um in Aquarius, which is a sub oceanic research facility. And when he comes up to the surface because he thinks someone is polluting, all the oxygen is gone. And everyone is dead. So um, he has to. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a bit of a shocker. It's like, hey, yeah. nobody's answered on the surface for the last couple of days. Maybe we should go check and make sure they're home. Yeah. And the last. That's, that's on the beach sounding like, you know, yeah, the whole exactly. Neville shoot. And um, the last sentence of the description says And if Miller can't track down and stop those responsible in seven days, the rest of the world is next. Sounds good. Well, yeah, whoever's responsible good. is probably suffocated, too. <laughs> Unless it's like a Bond villain who's stolen all the air and is holding it hostage for one million times. <laughs> <laughs> is this an audio book yeah, like available? Mess. I wonder what's going on. There's an audio book some- uh, of it, so I, oh. I think I might get in on this. This is uh, read by Phil Giganti, who's a really good re- reader. He does all that. Stainless Steel Rat books. That's from out from Brilliance. I love the Stainless Steel Rat. Well, and it says that Miami, Tel Aviv, and Tokyo have all been destroyed. It's something having to do with something that came back after World War II. So I don't know if it's alternate history or just kind of uh, continued. There is a swastika on the cover. Yeah. And a big oh, boy. <laughs> well, Miami's full of Jews and Israel's full of Jews. But I don't know about Jap- Japan. Tokyo's not exactly... Uh, uh, that so it, it it might be an evil Nazi plan to re-, re revenge on the world or something. Nazis don't need that much logic; they're generic villains. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think you know if it's historically based rather than cartoon based, uh, it can be. Uh, you know, uh, if it it was a alternate history, there's a lot of good ones of those. Philip K. Dick wrote one, and there's uh, one called Fatherland that's uh, also very good. You know, where the Nazis won the war or whatever. Mm. But it's, it sounds like a good thriller. 
Yeah, it's and getting it, pretty good reviews. It looks like it's a quick read. It's kind of you know one of those really short chapters. Everything moves really quickly. Mm. Just tell by how the text is laid out. So nice. Shouldn't take too long. Well, that's the last of yours, right? Sure. Last one. I have only one. Okay. And uh, it came from Tor. It's called Cop Killer. Uh, the climatic third volume of the Cop trilogy, and Cop is spelt with a K. I assume that's the name of the dude. <laughs> um, the second book was called X Cop. <laughs> um, and I guess and the first one is called Cop. It's an SF noir. Uh, and there's a massive description, but I'll just read the first paragraph. Junu Muzabi once had a life. It wasn't a great life, but he had a job, a wife, and at least the appearance of respectability. That was when he was a dirty cop, married to a wife who was the victim of such a profound abuse that she murdered her vile drug pin kingfin father. This is pretty funny. Juno loved his wife, so many wives, uh, and did his best to help her survive her guilt, her drug habit, and her desire to end her tortured life on the dead-end planet of Lagarto. Wow. I don't know what's going on in this book, but it's for somebody. I think if they include the word wife enough times, they think it will appeal to the female audience. I think you're right. I think that's... Uh, that was like one paragraph, and it was like, oh, life and wife. Did it work but for you? I... I what, me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did, did adding the word wife make you writing. want to read it? <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm going to read you the first and last sentences. This is one of the tests I do in a, in a bookstore. Um, first and last sentences of the book. First sentence. This was my turf now. <laughs> and then the next line is mine. And then last line of the book. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we're all... Oh, it ends... Very strangely. This is the this is the entire sentence. Quote, waited for the darkness to lift, period. Unquote. Mm. Sounds depressing. Wait, right, so but what who does that test do for you? I don't know. I don't know. I would say uh, I'm not going to read this if I haven't read the first one. So I don't know. But we did mention it on the podcast, and that's what we promised to do. You send us stuff, mention it on the podcast. <laughs> And maybe somebody will review it, like the Joan Rivers book. Yes, please. That Julie has committed to reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it'll be fun. If I want sci-fi cops, I'll go back and read Lee Killow's books again. I don't I know like him or her. her. I think it's a her. Um, yeah, I remember the author. I can't remember the name of the books. I remember the name of the characters involved. How do you spell it? L-E-I-G-H? Uh, hold on just a second. Killorn? K-I-L-L-O-U-G-H. Uh, she wrote a couple of vampire cop novels and then back before the vampire craze. And then some spider play, I think, is one of the, the is like the third or fourth of the. How do you spell Lee? L-E-E. Oh, Okay. There it is. Oh, there's a programmer. American science fiction mystery novels under the name, it's Karen Lee Kilo. Ah, okay. She lives and works in Manhattan. Oh, she did more of the vampire ones. <laughs> Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah, the Doppelgayer Gambit, Spider Play. I thought there was another one, but... Dragon's Teeth? Yeah. 
I liked those very much, but I mean, that shows you how old I am. <clears throat> yeah, those are starting in the 70s and working into the 90s. Wow, that's one series, you know, 1979, first book, second book, 1986, third book, 1990. That's back when books were, you know, spaced out. Now it's a book a year, right? Well, if you don't do a book a year, people forget you because they now have short attention spans. Back then, you could recall an author for more than 10 years. Hmm. <laughs> I, I think that the tax laws changed, so you can't, it's expensive to store old books in your warehouse. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so only new books are in the bookstores. And is is that explain why Harry Mango has a new episode out every day? <laughs> exactly. These these episodes are filling up my living room, and I have to get them out. <laughs> <laughs> All stories on sale now. Go go go! <laughs> Price well, to that's go. Why, that's why I do audio dramas monthly. No, I, it's not really. It's just because if I didn't get them out of my head, the characters would never shut up. <laughs> Oh, we don't know how that is. Right. Oh, I never got a chance to plug my show. Oh, well. Plug, plug away, Julie. Well, my main show is 19 Nocturne Boulevard, which is an anthology series of audio dramas that have been around since 2008. I've got over 80 episodes. Sort of a Twilight Zone-esque thing. My current additional project is a anime-inspired series called Fatal Girl. Audio anime, yes. And... Ah. And it's very dark. It's very it's very adult. It has a lot of creepy, mature situations. I don't want to go into too much detail, but um, it's uh, basically you know a couple of chicks who hunt demons. But uh, it's I think it's quite good. Everybody, I'm trying to trying to. I started out just challenging myself to write something in the style of an anime, and the characters kind of took over. So. I'm not actually a huge anime fan, which is what the weirdest part of it. But that's okay. It works. Just have everybody um, overreact to everything and you'll be fine. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm I there's a lot of really interesting underlying memes and and uh tropes and character types in anime and there's a lot of them that irritate the crap out of me. So I'm basically taking this advantage to like kill the ones I hate. But <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, it's there's there's certain character types that don't exist outside of a s- s- very oddly fantasy milieu like that. I mean, my main character fights monsters by dropping dead, and her spirit leaves the body to fight them. Mm. I mean, unless you're doing, you know, even in superheroes, that would be considered bizarre. But in something like anime, that's like, oh, that's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> So it gave me a chance to to create this this very interesting world with, and I it, it, there's a certain amount of freedom in the the gosh you only need internal consistency it doesn't actually have to be consistent with reality at all which I know you can do in fantasy in general yeah, but that's what fantasy but it's almost, is but it's almost encouraged to a hyper degree in the overall anime. Not genre. I want to call it genre because it really is a genre like sci-fi is a genre. I mean, it's so full of other yeah. genres. You know. It's more so, of a... So Tam, Tam should get on this because he's named after a anime character. Oh, yeah. are you? Tom Homme is from Fushigi Yugi. It's an anime and a manga. 
Like I said, I am not actually the hugest anime okay. fan in the world. I don't know most things. I mean, the ones I like, I like. Everything else I've either heard of or not and have probably ignored. Anything directed by Miyazaki is good. Yeah. Uh, like, what about uh, Princess Mononoke? Spirit oh, can I squeeze in my plug? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, Matt. It's Okay, well, of course, your listen, plug. listen to Beware the Hairy Mango at BewareTheHairyMango.com. That goes without saying. Uh, but I wanted to mention uh, Tony C. Smith from Starship Sofa has uh, expanded his realm. Um, he's got four different shows going on now under the umbrella Districts of Wonder. Um, he's had uh, Starship Sofa, of course, which is a science fiction show. Uh, they started Tales to Terrify about six months ago, which is a horror show. Um, and just this past week, they started two new ones. One is uh, a crime show called Crime City Central and a pulp show called Protecting Project Pulp. I, I've heard all but the last one, uh, which I'm planning to start soon. Um, that uh, first Crime City Central episode, everybody should listen to that. It's got one of the best uh, writers in crime, noir, uh, mystery, uh, Lawrence Block, uh, a Keller short story, and it's wonderful. Lawrence Block of the Burglar books? Uh, it's not a burglar book, but it is the Block of the oh, Burglar yeah. books. Yeah, He's another is, author who reads really well. Oh, he's a great narrator. Unfortunately, this is not a Block, but the narrator is very good, so uh, it doesn't doesn't hurt it at all. Um, and it, this is a story that was a part of uh, the second novel, the first novel was a whole bunch of short stories that were strung together, and the second novel was uh, one story, uh, and then this is like taking a segment out of it and using that as the the uh, the story, and that actually works better than the the whole novel as a whole. A hitman story, and a very good. Um, that other one, Tales to Terrify, wow, the, uh, Lawrence Santoro is such a great voice, and he's a really good host. He is. I mean, that show, the host is what makes that show. Um, right. He's, I, had a, he's had a theater background, and, and he really performs. But also, he what he talks about is very cool. Like, I like listening to him. A lot of podcasts, I listen to the host and not the not the fiction they're presenting. <laughs> and he's he's like that. I mean, sometimes the, the, episode, the story is good. Sometimes the story is bad. But he's always really good. And yeah. well worth reading just for that. I, I, I don't know if this, you know, the idea of District of Wonders, a whole theme of uh, shows. I don't really understand why anybody cares about networks. Like, I don't say, I'm watching NBC. You know, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but with HBO, I kind of care because they put out good stuff. So if, if this is, if, if all of these shows are going to be really good, high quality, I think that then it does matter. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very cool. Have you heard the most recent one that uh, protecting Project Pulp? No, no, I haven't heard that one yet. Um, it just came uh, out this week. Yeah, yeah, it's a story from the twenties, and I guess I guess everything they're going to do is public domain rather than hmm. you know getting new pulpish stories. I mean, that's that's uh, as far as I know. I'm not I'm not on the inside of of this bit, but you know I'm. I do a lot of stuff for the sofa, and uh, I I always spread the word on whatever they've mm-hmm. got going on. Uh, the website looks really really slick uh, for District of Wonders. That's uh, art by Ben Wooten. They they've definitely got some 
cool things happening. You know, there's a new there's a new renaissance with podcasts going on. I think there was the first wave and the second wave. Now if this is in the third or fourth wave. It's still it's amazing stuff coming out all the time. Yeah. yeah. So that's very cool. Um, how many shows do you put out uh, a month? Uh, who me? The Mango? You mean? Yeah. Yeah. I generally do two shows a month. I do a show on the 15th and a show on the 30th. Um, in May, I do a show every day. Right. That that was the Mango Mayo. Uh, mucho crazy. Mango Mayo. <laughs> Crazy-o. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> the, uh, that's a personal challenge that you've given yourself rather than, uh, than yeah. you know, some, what's, what's that? NaNoWriMo. It's. It's right. podcast Rimo or something. Oh, yeah, next yeah. Month? I did, I wasn't even aware of that. I just uh, it was just an idea I had um, as a fundraiser, really. Um, and uh, I enjoyed it, and people that listened to the show loved it, and so now it's an annual thing. Oh, <laughs> annual thing. This is this the second year you've done it, or first? Year? Yeah, yeah. It's a, this is the second year that I've done it, and oh. I'm, I'm gearing up for next year. I got to start writing the episodes like early. Oh. It's a lot of work. Oh, oh, it's the other one. Sorry, I was thinking you were talking about the um, National Web Series Writing Month, which is next month. Oh, that's that's uh, something Julie does. Well, no, I haven't done it before. It's just oh, really thinking I'd do it. That's your There's whole thing is writing tons of series, right? Well, yeah, I write a ton of stuff. I'm going to see what I can write next month just for the heck of it. It's just so hard to find time to write now that I'm producing all the time. Hmm. Audio drama production takes bundles of time yeah i i don't understand how you have time to do anything it's incredible i know it mostly involves lacking sleep i think yeah um but yeah uh, if anyone else hasn't checked out uh julie she's got now besides you know reading for us she did uh she does a lot of classic uh audiobooks as well as her audio drama you did you you just put out a Saki story, is that right? I've done a lot of Saki. I've done a lot of Lovecraft as just readings. I've also done mm. a lot of adaptations of Lovecraft and Saki. And uh, my adaptations sort of run the gamut. It's not the only thing I do, but I've done uh, William Hope Hodgson's A Tropical Horror. I've mm. done uh, Borges. Yeah. I'm quite pleased with my Borges adaptation. He's harder than anybody to adapt. Which Borges did you do? Tlan Ukbar Orbis Tertius. Hmm. It's it. I've, the title is different for my episode because nobody would ever remember that. But um, it's called Disbelief. Um, and Borges I, is in it, of course, because it's Borges. Well, it, that's one of the stories he wrote with himself as a narrator. Right. So right. He's he's always he's always putting himself in it, but uh, it's it's uh, it is imagine uh, quite difficult to do a, a Borges adaptation. Yes, he writes less so dense and more more scholarly density than anybody, even Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but it's I even had Borges fans who were like just drooling over my adaptation. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yay! And I have a book of his short stories on my end table, so maybe when I finish that, I'll go back and. You know what? That. I do too. Um, I, I'm only talking about the stuff I got for free. I'm not talking about all the stuff I got that I paid for. Yeah. You want me to get that stack? No, That's no. next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got the. I, I picked up uh, a, a collection of his in paper as well as the audio. Is it so, Labyrinth? 
very yeah it is that's the classic and he's very dense but his ideas are amazing and mm. i mean you, you, everybody says oh lovecraft created the concept of the cosmic horror and this you know well i don't know if bohr has created but he was certainly one of the most interesting uh, things of of that concept that we now take for granted of if you turn left you turn right it splits the universe mm. you no. know that you you create every decision you make creates a parallel universe that basically goes back to him he's, he's a great great writer this has been the sff audio podcast please join us at www.sffaudio.com